Yeah, I mean, so much of it is just relationships are really complicated and 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 difficult. And this one is like a, I mean, chronic illness is just a huge spanner in those works, but they're the same works, I think. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Asking for a Mate, the feel-good podcast that asks guys to go beyond the small talk. This is a podcast that celebrates guys talking frankly and freely about subjects they usually wouldn't talk about. I'm your host, Cecile, and each episode, I get the chance to ask Aussie guys what's really going on beneath their thick skin in the hope that it will inspire others to do the same. During this episode, Bill and I talk about relationships. We talk about love and supporting one another during difficult times. But the amazing relationship that Bill and his partner Inga have is a little different than the one that you see in movies. Because Inga has been diagnosed with a chronic illness called ME-CFS. ME stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis and CFS stands for chronic fatigue syndrome. ME-CFS is a disease characterized by profound fatigue, sleep abnormalities, pain, and other symptoms that are made worse by exertion. Chronic fatigue syndrome occurs unfortunately more commonly in women and the cause of this condition is unknown but may include environmental or genetic factors. Bill shared a lot of resources with me before the recording of this episode and that was amazing for me to inform myself about what MECFS was because we both wanted to make sure that we were going to explain clearly and respectfully what this condition is and how it affects people that live with it. ME is not an uncommon disease, but not much research is currently being done. And I'm glad that this podcast is going to help shine more lights on this condition and help educate people about it. Whilst we talk about ME and Inga's life, I wanted to check in with Bill and see how he was doing, because that's all asking for a mate is about. I was blown away by Bill's wisdom, dedication, incapacity to detach his ego from the situation and put everything in perspective. I think that Bill's way of seeing tricky situations, and this is clearly an understatement, is probably going to be an inspiration for many of us, especially whilst we're going through such an unsure and weird period of time. But you know what? I'll let Bill explain what his stories and Inga's story is all about. Bill, welcome to Asking for a Mate. Thank you very much. Inga and I met in uh, 2013, or sort of the end of 2013. Um, and uh, the, the first date that we went on was a bushwalk, um, which is kind of extraordinary for me to think about now, sort of that we went on this, 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 this big long walk. Um, and uh, yeah, at the time she had uh, just come back from overseas and had been feeling ill for a little while, but uh, hadn't, didn't really have any idea what was going on. Um, and then we were sort of friends for a period of time and then got together properly about five years ago. Um, and throughout that time, we always knew there was something up, um, but it hadn't really been properly diagnosed. Yeah. Um, about a year into us being friends, uh, she, she had a, a clear diagnosis of MECFS. Um, and there, there was a period of us kind of uh, being in denial a little bit about it. We sort okay. of knew it was there, but Inga was still studying. She was finishing a degree. She was going to work. Um, and we were kind of just pushing through this illness and she was getting sicker and sicker because she wasn't sort of yeah. taking the time. There wasn't anyone telling her that she really needed to stop. Uh, so it was only really once we sort of um, had been in a relationship for a year and moved in together that okay. we kind of sort of started to take this thing seriously and Inga had to stop, stop working and stop studying and has yeah. uh, been sort of largely at home since. Yeah. yeah. So what, what I understood doing a bit of research and thanks to you for, you know, sharing so many amazing resources so I can mm. prepare for the podcast. Um, what I understood is that a lot of the time people just would say to someone, oh, just go out, exercise, and then you'll be all right. Yeah. And it's actually completely the opposite yeah. with this illness. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it, it's something that there, that there isn't a good uh, sort of um, specific treatment that is offered to people. There's all sorts of things people can do, but there isn't like a go-to medical practice. 
Um, so a, a lot of what people do is, I mean, there, there's all kinds of treatments people undergo, but um, the main thing they need is rest, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's such a difficult thing, even though Inga was totally aware of what she was doing was unsustainable. There's just a huge psychological block to yeah. um, accepting the extent that it will change change your life. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. She was just not managing with work and not able to keep up and she was feeling yeah. awful the entire time. So we really, it wasn't, it, it, it felt a little bit like a choice, but it wasn't, we, we really yeah. had to stop at that time. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would imagine that, um, it's like, you don't want to miss out. You know, that you're going to have, you probably f- going to feel super crap and mm-hmm. you know, I'm saying super crap. I've got no idea what she's actually going yeah. through, but, um, it's like you want to, for example, go on this walk. But yeah. you know that the next day or the next week you're going to regret it so much. Yeah, it's this terrible trade-off that they have to live with where it's sort of, it's it's like the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished. It's like every mm. every good thing you want to do for yourself or going out for a walk or seeing friends or something for your mental health always comes with this consequence of days in bed afterwards. Yeah. So it's this terrible sort of um, constant math they need to go through about like, am I, um, am I going to see these friends or just, just little things like we've done it a thousand times of like going away with friends for New Year's Eve and being just staying in a house for three days or something. And then Inga's been in bed for two weeks after that yeah. and trying to decide is, are those, those couple days of good times worth, worth, worth the time. And it's, yeah. it almost never is. So we're kind of sort of trying to find what that baseline is of yeah. like, what's the amount of interesting things that we can do together versus uh, how Inga will be feeling on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you guys moved in together and then she got diagnosed. Um, what was the first thing that went through your head when Inga was finally diagnosed? Well, uh, she the, the, it was kind of more of a um, – the the diagnosis is more via exclusion and sorry okay. she 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 what she did know she had the illness before we moved in together and actually okay. before we were okay. dating so I, I knew okay. I knew that she was she was ill so there was never really that moment of like you've got cancer or something like mm. that we have to deal with it yeah. it was sort of a, a much more of a slow process so uh, when I when I think about it there was definitely a moment when I was I was sort of wanting to be in a relationship with Inga but was sort of contending with the facts of like. I'm probably going to start a relationship soon and it will be with someone with a possibly lifelong illness. Yeah. And yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult for me to sort of return to where my head was at at that time. And sort of, if, if I was sort of weighing up, if this was a choice I was going to make. And I think I just ended up thinking I, I really wanted to be with Inga and would sort of work it out in the end or, or it would go away after some period of time. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's sort of interesting thinking about that that time. Yeah. yeah. So how how different do you think now things are to back to compared to initially when you made the decision to to be with her? Did you ever imagine that it would be like this? No, no, I don't. I don't think even even though it was something that that uh, um, uh, we kind of, I kind of knew could be in the distance. There's so many sort of details of our life together now that I never could have imagined. Um, yeah. uh, I mean. I think I think the 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 big change that happened was when we moved in together and Inga wasn't able to work anymore. Yeah. Um she'd been receiving some sort of help from the government to 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 help with with daily things. I can't remember exactly what the payment was called, but essentially that was all cut off once we moved in together because we were a de facto couple. Mm-hmm. So sort of weeks after we'd moved in for the first time, she was um sort of financially reliant on me and I suddenly needed to sort of provide for two people. So that was that was probably the the the, the biggest sort of realization of this was going to be a different kind of life. Yeah. 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 Because now you kind of like the, the main person in the household that would actually provide income, but also I would imagine yeah. do the task. Yeah. Of- and it just totally changes the dynamic of a relationship as well. Yeah. The power shift that changes in the relationship about what, what you feel you can do and, and how to, how to sort of sustain a, what you want to be a modern equal relationship mm. is just very difficult once one person has the, the the job and sort of yeah. is is the person with all the physical and financial capacity within the relationship. Mm. Um, there's lots of sort of pitfalls. I think that we fell into all of all of which. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 just it's just incredibly difficult. Um, sort of uh, yeah, uh, keeping a, a sort of uh, an even handed relationship where both people feel as able to make decisions and. Uh, as if you can sort of argue things on an equal footing mm-hmm. when um, uh, one person is sort of taking on lots of the responsibilities of day-to-day life. Yeah. yeah. 
So how did you guys manage? Because I feel like obviously your situation is probably an unusual one, but what you're talking about seems like it, it could apply to a lot of couples. You never yeah. have yeah. 100% equality. So yeah. how did you guys manage to work through that and to find your balance? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's It's been a really long, long journey and, and we're still not entirely there. There are so many things that, um, that, 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 um, become really difficult. I think, I think it has just been a, a huge free reframing of, um, sort of what we bring as, as value to the relationship mm -hmm. and trying to really accept that, um, the, the fact that I'm able to work is a privilege of a kind. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. the lucky one that I'm healthy enough to work. Yeah. Um, and that the, that, even though I am the person that brings money into the relationship, that's, that's not the value. And we try not mm. to base the value yeah. between us uh, of that, but uh, it's, you sort of have to um, sort of pretend this one thing is a reality while feeling a, a different reality. I mean, when it comes to like Christmas time and we don't want to buy a gift for all our friends, does Inga need to ask me for, for, for money for something like that? I mean, things yeah. like that, that just become incredibly complicated when there isn't that, 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 that even footing. Yeah. Um, so it's something we're still working through. I think we've got better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it has been difficult. So you, you mentioned like modern relationship and obviously having a woman feeling like they, they're not dependent on their yeah. male partner. Yeah. Is that something that is very close to you guys? Because like, it sounds like it's, it's probably like a lot of Australian couples would have the yeah. men being the most, the main honor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is uh, difficult. I mean, um, the the friend group that we that we we hang out with mostly are very sort of progressive people mm -hmm. and sort of um, uh, equality and people's rights are very much sort of front of mind um, uh, and all all the women I know are uh, are working so it's I mean I don't think Inga and I ever struggle with uh, like a disparity in like how we actually feel about uh, the, mm. the equality of the, the sexes or anything like that yeah. I think it's more uh, the personal empowerment that comes with having a job and, yeah. and making money and, and yeah. not having that and trying to find yeah. things to, to replace that. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, lots of creative projects and things sort of give Inga kind of value in her day, but it's, it's hard to replace the sort of sense of, um, uh, it's sort of, it's such a, a confidence booster to get a paycheck or be able to take care of something True, or, yeah. or take care of people in your family or things like that. Yeah. So, so trying to find ways to replace that, that sense of sort of, yeah, fulfillment that comes from work is yeah. really difficult. Uh, part of the resources that you shared with me was a book that you illustrated or yeah. created mm. on your life, uh, your life as, you know, Bill and mm. Inga's life as well. And the, mm the difference that you guys live with on a day-to-day -day basis. So you going to work yeah. pre-COVID, yep. you jumping on train and going to one of your clients meeting mm -hmm. and, and doing some live drawings. And then you see the comparison with, with Inga staying at home. And obviously we've all been there, of, you know, being a bit sick and staying at home and being bored or mm -hmm. now we've, we've locked down, you know, staying at home, but I don't think we can grasp the, um, like kind of the, the horrible routine that comes back to just, being homebound or even bedridden and just doing the same thing again and again every day yeah, and yeah. just not having the energy to, to do much, much else. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the thing that I find hardest to describe to people about uh, a chronic illness is that it's, you can imagine the symptoms and you can imagine feeling things like what the person with the chronic illness is going through, but you can't imagine the time you can't imagine being sick for a week and then being, mm. having a sick day for a month and then having being sick for six years, yeah. like, like you're, you're done with podcasts and you're done with Netflix and yeah. you're done with every object in the room around you. And, yeah. and when you think about just the compounding of time and the time with yourself, the time to think about things, it's, it's, and, and then feeling just awful on top of that, yeah. uh, feeling, feeling, feeling really unwell. Um, it's, it's a thing I struggle to wrap my, my head around, uh, yeah. uh, even, even though I spend every day with Inga. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it hard for you, you know, seeing her sometimes suffer and not being able to understand her pain? Yeah. I think it's probably one of the, the most difficult things I've dealt with in that you're, you're living with someone who's carrying a, a, a kind of grief for the, for the life that they used to have and, yeah. and a, a pretty deep well of, of sadness about their situation and it becomes sort of like a third part of the relationship or to a certain extent where um, 
you sort of have to factor this this level of of kind of trauma and loss into into a lot of daily life mm. um uh and and i kind of think about it sometimes that like sort of the the things that Inga's dealing with it's like if 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 she was a bowl and emotions are a water lever in a bowl it's kind of like the bowl is full it's like she's she's sort of every every sort of difficulty in life feels like sort of the the straw that breaks the camel's back or anything mm. so so even though i think Inga's an incredibly strong and resilient person she's someone who is just dealing with a lot so small things become big things yeah. and and uh she's someone who is yeah, it just ends up by circumstance being sort of quite sensitive to the world that she lives in, and and being aware of that sensitivity and responsive to mm. it is is quite a drain on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah. So, talking about your day to day life, how have you guys organized it so that it works for you and Inga? Yeah, I mean, we're incredibly lucky in that my job allows me to be at home most days, yeah. so I'm I'm around all the time. So, when it comes to sort of cooking and cleaning, I'm 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 there to do that and just company, as well. So, um, so on the average day, um, it sort of has changed over the years, uh depending on the, the fluctuations, how Inga's doing. But but these days I'll, I'll sort of be working um, from my office at home most of the day and I'll sort of organise breakfast and lunch and, and make dinner at the end of my day and Inga usually rests for the first half of the day and then she'll have a couple hours of capacity to work on the various projects she's working on. Um, and then we sort of spend the evenings um, hanging out together and go for a couple of walks a day. And that's, that's kind of it. It's pretty straightforward life, but yeah. we, we've got a reasonably good routine now yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like a little bit what we, we were going through when we were in lockdown. Yeah. The and lockdown was a fascinating time for someone with a chronic illness. It was, it was surreal. I mean, I talked to a number of people who were sick and they had this huge sense of relief when the first lockdown happened because okay. it was like they'd been forced to make their lives stop. And then yeah. suddenly everybody did the same thing so and all the expectations of work or seeing people yeah. and everything was just dropped. And it was like this yeah. huge weight was lifted off them in this, I mean, obviously it was a terrible time, but, yeah. but, but, um, they had this period of like sort of the pressure of society and friends was suddenly lifted and Inga was, felt like she could sort of rest better and didn't feel like she had to make excuses and, yeah, it was a funny time. And then once things sort of sped up, we were kind of back into the the usual um, back and forth of, of life. But it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you're mentioning that Inga felt like this because um, like some of my friends have actually said this and don't have a chronic illness. So mm. I, I don't think it would be exactly the same, but I think um, they were talking about, for example, like the fear of missing out and, mm. and feeling that they always have to say, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. and, oh, I need to organize this and I need to be a good person mm-hmm. and to help. So a lot of people could also relate to what she was feeling and, you know, just being at home. You know, whenever mm-hmm. someone is like, oh my God, I'm so tired being at home, then Inga could be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that, that. There was a lot of that frustration. Also, like people being like, oh yeah, no, it means I haven't been out in days. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, it's mm. been six years. But yeah. Oh, yeah. So what are the, some of the stigmas associated with uh, MECFS? Yeah, I think I think the primary stigma stems from the fact that there, there isn't yet – there's some really good research around designing a proper medical um, diagnostic, so a test that you can yeah. take that says you've got CFS. But currently that doesn't exist. I, I think in the next five years hopefully it will, but right now it doesn't. Um, and I think largely for that reason in some ways it um, uh, it's diagnosed via exclusion. So you, you don't have mm-hmm. this, you don't have this. It looks like you've got the symptoms that correlate with MECFS. And because of that there's this sort of constant feeling that the condition is being questioned mm-hmm. so um it's this terrible sensation of you're suffering but you're not suffering under the terms that i can quantify in my mind therefore i'm not gonna entirely sort of there's a feeling that people aren't believed and it's incredibly destructive it's yeah. it's terrible it's it's like sort of falling over and breaking your arm and people sort of questioning I don't know, did that really happen? Sort of like questioning the fact of your, your, your suffering, yeah. which feels so immediate and is a lived experience to these people. So I think the stigma of feeling like they're not being believed, which often people aren't, yeah. um, or, or their disease not being taken seriously because it's not uh, written on their, their, their face, it's not a visible illness. 
Um, um, so there's this this feeling seeing doctors and catching up with friends that that their suffering isn't validated in a way, and I think that's the most destructive thing. Yeah. Yeah. You you shared with me an amazing Netflix documentary called Unrest, which mm. I recommend uh, anyone that is interested in learning a little bit more about MECFS to watch. Um, it can be a bit. Um, you know, um, hard to watch. It's, it's a tough watch. Yeah. It's a t- and especially, I mean, for you more because you, you would really see like, oh, yeah. this is actually either something I've already experienced or something that I could experience depending yeah. on, on the strength of, of the, the malaise that she was going through during the movie. But, um, uh, one of the things that she was talking about, uh, I think at the start of the movie, her partner says, talk enough that they believe your pain, but don't talk too much so that they don't think that you're nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's this terrible tightrope that people have to walk. And I think it, it is something that particularly applies to people with MECFS, but I think primarily women have to deal with this in in a huge way. I mean, Inga also has a condition called endometriosis, which Mm -hmm. is incredibly common amongst women. Incredibly common, yeah. But, but it's one of these things that, um, uh, people are very afraid of being seen as sort of complaining or, or being the sort of the boy that cried wolf or something like that, that their condition won't be validated. Um, so people are really worried about talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, people, um, in conditions like this are kind of pushed to the fringes by the establishment. Um, and when you're pushed to the fringe, you start kind of looking like the fringe. And Mm. so it's this terrible sort of vicious cycle that people are caught up in of, of, uh, not having their suffering, validated and then feeling like they need to sort of cry out for, for, for people to take them seriously. And then that crying out sometimes is interpreted as, as these people sort of overreacting. Um, uh, it was in the, 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 the documentary as well, this, this concept of sort of the hysterical woman, the woman not being taken seriously. And there's a terrible, terrible history of, of really unwell people being sort of written off as, as, women who don't have their shit together or something like Completely. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is that ME-CFS, uh, I think from memory, uh, 85% of the people that are affected by this uh, condition are women. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that predominantly, I mean, in the history is, especially when it comes to period pain and stuff, and we mm. talked about it a little bit off air together, was the fact that um, when it comes to women's pain, Yeah not much has been done in terms of, or, or even not pain, even just conditions. I, I feel like there's less research associated with it. If you compare it like Viagra, for example, Viagra has been studied for, I mean, I would say just a, right, a yeah. 70 years or something. Yeah. No one has fucking pain. It's yeah. just guys ego that <laughs> yeah. can't get it up. And so we fixed it right away. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to women's pain, whether it's like period pain or if you have endometriosis, it's frightening how little research has been done mm. because I think like a lot of doctors used to be men, right? Predominantly the medical field was filled with doctors. So mm. they haven't even like considered this. And then everyone was bucketed with hysteria. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the best example that, that I, I think about a lot is um, of uh, multiple sclerosis. So mm. I think multiple sclerosis affects uh, women more than men as well. And it has been understood as an illness for a long time, but it wasn't a lot of women were written off as hysterical or, or, yeah. or not or weren't taken seriously who had uh, multiple sclerosis, which we think of now as like a clean cut. Oh, you've got MS. That's terrible. People understand sort of how to feel when, yeah. when, when, when you hear about that. Um, and there's this idea of it being a lifelong illness and something that's really going to change how, your life. And it wasn't until the, I think it was the CT scan was, was invented and it was clear that there was a diagnostic, look, we can see it in this scan. This is what you've got, that it was really, there was a, a huge surge in, 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 um, uh, funding for research. And, and if you have MS now, the government will take care of you. And it's a terrible fact that people with MECFS aren't taken care of by the yeah. government. It's funny because I feel there is a bit of a a parallel with mental illness. Mm. Like anything that is not a visible illness or hasn't we haven't been able to see it um, visually. Yeah. So what you were saying about the city scan, there is a lot of stigma. There's a lot of judgment mm. from people because they can't really see it. So they can't really understand it. Yeah. And then yeah. hence they don't really believe it or they just put you in a box of like, you're either lying or this is in mm. your head. Yeah. It's a mental illness. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is frightening. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I, and there's a, there's a very difficult crossover with with um, uh, ME as well, in that um, 
um, it would be great if it was treated in the same way that it's not visible, but we'll take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a huge fear that, that what they've got is being written off as, as mental illness mm. um, and that they just need to see a therapist or something like that, mm. which is, is a crazy thing to say to someone who's has like physical symptoms they're dealing with every day. Yeah. But, but so I, I think it's worth establishing that ME is, is not um, a mental condition. It's a physical condition, yeah. but um, but it suffers from a lot of the same stigma that mental illness does. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What are the craziest things that you've heard about MECFS? The craziest or the, things? Or the, like, distributed? Just that it would be a choice. Why would you choose that? Like, more, like, like, it's so crazy to think that someone would do that so they didn't have to work. Like... Like, Other people saying like, oh, you just want to stay in bed and not yeah, go Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you're, you're wanting to sort of um, sort of be taken care of by, by family or an institution or something, or that you would do it for attention. There's a lot of better ways to get attention than to be sick. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's the craziest thing that, 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 that I think. Yeah. 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 So how, how has your family and friends have taken this over the last six years? Um, my family's been, been really supportive. Uh, I think... Um, they've, they've been very, very kind and Inga's family has been, been great as well. I think, uh, the, the, the thing that, um, is, is difficult is that, I mean, I don't know, for, for an example, last Christmas, I think Inga was, was feeling particularly bad and I kind of had a bit of a breakdown. I was just kind of losing it at a family function or something like that. And my family all sort of got around me and were being incredibly caring and, and sort of dealt with that at the time in, in a way that was, 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 was really kind, but you, they, next time you see you're fine. And it's sort of, they're like, okay, feels like all right now and it's okay. But it's, it's this ongoing nature of it. And it's very difficult. I mean, it's impossible to ask your friends and families to be constantly aware of this thing, but, um, it's sort of, it's kind of the water that Inga and I swim in of dealing with this every day. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult for, um, friends and families to sort of like have that in mind that, mm. that, that you're okay right now, but there's this undercurrent of, of difficulty all the time. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with it? You were saying like you had a bit of a difficult time. Um, how do you make sure that you, you stay in touch with your emotions and you don't drive yourself mad? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's really difficult. Um, um, I think because, because you're living with someone whose situation is, obviously more difficult than yours is it, you, you spend a lot of time thinking, well, I'm struggling right now, but Inga's obviously worse. So, so I need to sort of like get a sense of perspective and deal with it. And that, that gets you a certain distance, but, um, it is really difficult. I find it very hard to take a break of myself. Um, and there's this fear that if I'm away for a couple of days or if I wanted to go off with friends or something like that, that I'm sort of responsible for for an increase in Inga's difficulty or, or suffering or inconvenience or something like that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, I have to say I'm not doing very well at it. I don't, I don't take breaks really. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I mean, sort of accepting that I can't do everything right is probably the main thing. I'm um, accepting that I can't always be there. Um, and that, I can do the best to have a, a, a nice house and buy nice food and do the, have Inga in the best situation possible, but it's never going to be perfect. There's mm. always things I can't do. Um, and uh, I think, I think having friends that I can talk to is really important. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't have many that I talk seriously about these, these things with, but just a handful is, is, I mean, two or three people is, is great. Um, yeah. And and I, I'm lucky to have a few really close friends who are incredibly uh, giving and understanding. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So what's the what has been the best way that your friends have been supporting you through that? Just just being available to talk to. Um, just knowing that I can pick up the phone and call them if, yeah. if I need to. Um, and sort of just getting me out of the house as well, going for a bushwalk, something like that. Yeah. 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 So how do you how do you envision your life moving forward, knowing that Inga would have to spend most of her time at home managing her energy? I think we've got better at it. We recently moved out to the Blue Mountains, so we're in a we're sort of out of the the thick of the city, and that sort of slows life down, which I think mm-hmm. is really good for us. It, it is difficult thinking thinking forward because we're still just in our twenties, um, uh, 
but we're both still relatively young. So there is a certain amount of energy that we have to, to deal with things. I think I worry about the really long term about how we're going to deal with this illness. It's terrifying the idea of it getting worse. She's sort of in the, 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 there, there are people who are bed bound and Inga's really lucky. Yeah. Well, it's hard to say lucky, but she's, she's able to get out and walk and sort of paint and do, do a couple, couple things. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's really scary thinking of what would happen if she got worse and how we would manage, manage life together then. Um, I don't really think about her getting better. I think if, mm. if she were to get better, that would be incredible. And if that happens, that happens, but I, I can't, expend the emotional energy sort of hoping for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really consider that too much. Yeah. Have you guys tried a bunch of different things to make her feel a bit better? Oh my God. We've done done everything. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, we really had to pull back. There were, there were, there were years where we would be seeing a doctor every week. Um, and Inga's seeing a bunch of doctors today actually. Yeah. But, um, so we have tried everything and there, there is, if you want to go into the internet, there is a world of alternative treatments that you can get lost in, um, that we try and sort of be wary enough about because there, there, there is a dark world of selling hope to people. Mm. Uh, yeah. 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 I saw in a documentary that she was trying so many different things to the point that it sounds like it's taking over your life or yeah you, you have to it's it's so difficult because you think what if this next thing would help us mm. then that would be worth yeah. it but you just uh, i think it's really dangerous to spend too much time down those rabbit holes yeah because there's there's a lot of stuff that 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 isn't going to work and that will, will waste your time and money but just the emotional energy of starting another diet another program mm. and not having it work I think can can almost be worse than the benefits. So we, we are creeping towards doing little things to try and make things better. And it has, I think it has worked to a certain okay. extent. Some yeah. things have helped, um, but it's tricky. Yeah. Do you have like lots of people that just tell you, oh my God, I've heard about this new thing. You should try it. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of that. Yeah. And and people are well-meaning, but yes, obviously. it's, it's, it's difficult. And it, it's also difficult for Inga in that like, I mean, her life has been shaped by this illness, but she's not, she's not the illness. She's, she's a interesting separate person outside of being sick who has interests, but it, like you want people to, I mean, it's, it's an impossible sort of balance to ask people to, to have, but you want people to be aware of what you're going through, but not let it define you. So the only thing people will talk about when they see here is, oh my God, you got to try smoking weed or CBD oil or any of the uh, we've tried. You <laughs> <laughs> try <trying> again. <laughs> Didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a tougher question that I I thought about mm. when I was watching your documentary is the the position of the partner. So mm. whenever Jen, that is the the main person and the director of this beautiful documentary, that sometimes she mm. feels like her life is worthless, mm. and she says that to her partner. Yeah. And you see, you know, the partner reaction saying, you're the most beautiful thing in my life. Just having you around brings me joy. Mm. And, and you can, I think you can see the fear in his eyes that Mm. she doesn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. How, how do you feel about this? It's, it's, it's really rough. I mean, thinking about people with MECFS, there's a terrible, terrible suicide rate of people um, with it. Um, Inga and I have been really lucky, I think, in that we don't seem to have a predisposition to depression. I know a lot of, a lot of people do, but we've been quite lucky in that. I I don't think we, we do. Um, the, the, the whole struggle of sort of what does your life mean when you can't work and, Mm. and, um, can't sustain a lot of the relationships you would, you would like to have, um, is huge. It's, it's sort of, um, you're sort of forced to deal with these, just huge existential problems that most people can happily go through life ignoring or working their way out of. Um, and Inga's been forced to sort of sit with these questions um, in a really, really difficult way. Um, just just thinking about what you were saying about uh, what the guy from the, the documentary, the partner said about like, I think you're the most beautiful person. I think you're wonderful. Is it is a mistake I've made a million times in that someone's mm-hmm. saying, I'm feeling this thing and you sort of refract their experience through your own ego to a certain extent. So I found myself saying when Inga's really upset saying, but I love you or something like that, like that's the reason, mm-hmm. but it's not. She's dealing yeah. with her own, a whole entire thing that is totally separate from me. 
And as a partner, it's quite difficult to sort of realize that you're not part of that equation most of the time and that you do just need to be there as a support. Um, uh, so, so Inga's sort of struggles with, I suppose, the question of meaning, um, Mm. have been really difficult and we're finding, we're finding lots of things. I mean, obviously, um, our relationship, our family, um, uh, and, and sorry, this is all sounding very depressing. Inga and I have lots of amazing times and a great time. And I think we have a good life together. I think that's worth saying. Um, You you look, I mean, no one can see hearing us, but you look very happy and very Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a difficult thing, but, but, but I think we have a, a great relationship and, and uh, a really fulfilling relationship. Um, so I think that's worth saying, um, uh, yes, but, but finding, finding ways to, to make meaning in life beyond work is, is surprisingly tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess a lot of people at the moment might actually be thinking about the same thing. It's like, yeah. who am I beyond going to work and having to stay at home? And well, you see it now. I mean, the government is going crazy with, with, with mental health promotion, uh, sort of promoting it, which is great yeah. because I think they see a, uh, a bad thing coming on the horizon with so many people out of work. Completely. Yeah. One question that I had and kind of scared me for you guys a little bit is that I heard that, um, well, I read that MECFS is also y- your immune system decreases. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, we hear about immune system quite a bit at the moment with COVID being around mm. and we talk about, you know, the fact that it doesn't affect young people. Mm. Caveat, if your immune system yeah. is not strong enough to yeah. handle the disease. Yeah. How are you guys handling this new situation? Yeah, we're basically acting like we're 85 years old. We're sort of doing all that stuff, doing all the face masks, all the hand washing, yeah. um, being very careful. I mean, we moved um, to the mountains basically just before, I mean, we moved basically uh, a, a month or so before the bushfires and then the coronavirus so it hasn't been a great time to meet people um so so we haven't had that that as a problem too much so we are kind of keeping to ourselves for the most part but it is something um yeah we're just trying to take incredibly seriously because it it uh yeah it, it really scares me thinking about what would happen if Inga got sick and and one of the things about living with with with, with illness is that you realize that there is this kind of almost subterranean world in society of disabled people who aren't um, there's a lot of them out there and they're just not, they're not visible. And, and and most people go through life just not thinking it's a, it's a big issue. There is a terrible issue that those people just don't have the capacity to be visible. They're not on your TV screens and on your radio. Um, and, and therefore a lot of people aren't considering them. Yeah. Yeah, So I think this is why we, we should talk about it a bit more. And I'm very happy that through the podcast, a few people will hear and including myself and educate themselves about MECFS highly encouraged to watch unrest, Mm -hmm. uh, just so you kind of be aware of what more than like millions of people are going through. Mm -hmm. So obviously you spend a lot of time caring for Inga and I mean, from what I've heard and from what you shared with me, it seems like you're putting a lot of effort to be a great partner and caring for someone that is going through a bit of a hard time. And what I I wanted to kind of ask you was the fact that a lot of people throughout um, being living with a partner, someone will always go through a bit of a hard time. Mm, Right. And for you, Unfortunately, it might not be just for a short time. It might be for quite a bit of a long time. Mm. But I thought that it would be great to get some of your guidance and advice around what would you say to other partners to be like, this is how you should care for your partner should they go through a bit of a rough time. And you did mention a few things, but do you have any advice that you would want to share with others? I think the 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 biggest thing that I've learned is is sort of, yeah, the the importance of making sure that you're okay to take care of your partner. Like, mm. uh, I mean, uh, I know it's one of those uh, things that I think men don't like to hear about anything about self care. Um, and I, I'm not very good. I'm I'm, I'm I, I sort of do subscribe to the school of tough things things out probably more than I should. Um, um, but but making sure that you're okay to take care of your partner mentally and physically. Um, uh, but also just just going, trying to do the work of removing your ego from the equation. I think it's so, so a common pitfall that I've fallen into. And I think a lot of people do of, of seeing someone else's experience through your own um, and trying to remove those feelings of, 
the thing that you're going through is being done to me in some way, like, like, uh, or, or blaming anybody for, for their, their suffering. It's, it's surprisingly tricky to remove yourself from, from, from that way of thinking yeah. about thinking that the inconvenience that someone is being caused and is causing you is their doing or the, or their intention. And, um, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is just try and also do the work of really trying to listen and understand someone's experience. Um, it's really tricky. It takes a, it takes, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of listening and sort of trying to extract information from, from people to, to, to try and get a sense of what, what they're feeling. So, so having as open lines of communication as possible. So, so there's so many times where I've been frustrated about something um, or a, a difficulty that we've been having. And it just took me to sit down and, and fully listen to Inga and hear her side of it, mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't a problem. It was, it was, it was this sort of artifice I'd been making in my mind of why this thing was difficult. But if I fully understood her um, sort of perspective, um, um, it would be okay. I think there's a, there's a line about sort of, um, all things that are understandable or forgivable. It's sort of like if you mm-hmm. can fully understand someone's perspective, you yeah. sort of often can can accept where they're coming from and what yeah. they're dealing with. Yeah. So I think I think sort of taking that time to fully communicate and remove your sort of own ego from the equation is is the the thing I'm trying to work on. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that you did mention earlier was the fact that when you come home, you have to also remember that Inga probably had a, a sheer day than you. Yeah. And one thing that we talked about in a in a previous episode about a guy that just had a baby mm. and and the mum was caring for the the young newborn. Yeah, listen um, to that one. That's yeah. Good. Mm. <laughs> so you was going through mm-hmm. I don't know if you kind of felt like it was resonating with you, mm. but the fact that when he was going home and he was quite under a lot of pressure, he mm. couldn't feel like he was being able to talk to his partner about it. And yeah. usually the partner would be, you know, her, his best friend. Mm. And she was not available at the moment and you had to, and like you felt like you had to respect that and wouldn't be able to open to her. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine in all relationships, it's that sort of like comparison of grievances, like, like this arms race of like who had a worse time or mm-hmm. who was finding it more difficult. I think just getting to a place where, I can complain about some stupid email from work or something to Inga while she's having a terrible day and she's accepting of okay. that being a valid problem. Um, and, and then at the same time, if Inga's feeling a bit sick, but I've been running around like a maniac all day and I'm exhausted, um, just being able to say to each other, this thing's bad, this thing's also bad, and we don't have to prove who's having a worse time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. wish I wish I could, like, do this. I feel like I tend to be, like, the person. I'm saying it like I've, I've got it under control. <laughs> we, we don't. But no, but that's what trying. we're thri- striving yeah. for, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never thought about it. Like, I guess I was, I was really, like, a believer of, like, I own the card to today, mm-hmm. like the I had a shit right. day card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what you're saying is even better. It's like you don't even need to own that card. You just need to accept that wh- whatever is problem that that person is having. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a balance. There are times when, like, um, I just need to accept that, like, me jumping in with like, oh, I struggled with something today too, isn't isn't helping mm. anyone, and I probably just shut up and listen at that that point. Yeah. So there's times like that, but but. Yeah, yeah. Trying to sort of have more of an even balance is good. But do do you feel hurt when you when you're going through yeah, something? Yeah, Inga's Inga's great. I think it, it would be easy for her to sort of yeah get lost in her own experience more. But mm. she's she makes it all a lot easier yeah. by being very very giving and understanding that I can have difficulties too, even if they don't quite stack up to hers. Yeah. Yeah. So earlier you did mention that sometimes you don't um, spend enough time caring about yourself or you try to put on a bit of a tough, a yeah. tougher skin. Yeah. Um, is there something that you're thinking that you should be doing differently or that's the way that you think you need to, you need to accept this, like handle the situation? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a thing. I, 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 I mean, I can only speak from my experience. So I'll just say the thing that men do, which is like, if it hasn't broken, it's probably working fine. And if you do that emotionally, it's like, well, what's the breaking point? Like, yeah. I'm just going to go until I break. Um, and I have done that plenty of times of like, well, I haven't snapped yet, so I'm obviously doing okay, which is not a good way to think about mental health. I mean, I, I think um, I'm lucky in that I'm very passionate about what I do for work. 
and and I find that very fulfilling and I can sort of totally get lost in what I'm what I'm doing for work. So I think that's that that is a big relief, but but I do probably work more than more than I should as well. There are there are little things I do, like being in nature, going for walks and things like that. I find very, very relaxing. I find music very relaxing. But I mean, there are ways that I think even though I'm spending every day with Inga, I do sort of like section myself off in, into my own little time. So like I'm big into waking up early and I have an hour and a half of usually working, but time that it's, I'm just by myself and I don't have to think about anyone. And then things like if I'm cleaning up the kitchen or doing the dishes and I've got my headphones on, I'm listening to a podcast or something like that. And that's also my time. So there are times mm. when um, uh, I'm sort of sectioning off where I'm just sort of in my own space with my own thoughts and I don't have to worry about anyone else. Yeah. And I think those things, yeah, I, I, I really value those. Yeah, I've, I, it's, that's awesome that you're saying that you've managed to put time for yourself, like that's your own time. Yeah. And that's something that weirdly, I know it's not exactly you or we can't really compare, but what I'm hearing is something that I've heard from like new moms, for example, right, yeah. like making sure that they've got time for themselves because you spend so much time caring for someone else. Mm, and obviously mm. I, like, I don't mean to say that Inga is like a newborn or mm. she needs 24 or seven support, same way that a mom would do, but um it sounds similar when you're saying, or, or you would hear women saying, in order for me not to break, I need to remove myself and sometimes just have some in time to actually recharge and be yeah. able to care and to support whoever needs yeah, that. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think I am getting better at sort of like when I'm feeling sort of overwhelmed by that, trying to just take myself out of the situation for a little bit. And I think one thing I've, I've, I think, I think I've learned, I think is worthwhile is just having a very sort of trying to project into the future um, how I'm going to feel about something in two days' time or mm. something like that. So whenever I'm feeling frustrated or angry, just sort of saying to myself, like, um, this will pass and and sort of trying to have a long-term uh, uh, emotional outlook. Um, and I find that usually works. Things that that, that I'm I'm – hyped about in the moment mm. um, are probably going to feel insignificant in a couple of days time and just trying to sort of mentally project to that, that time as well. You're a very wise person. <laughs> Doing my best. <laughs> Doing your best. So one of the final question I have um, mm. is around how, because we've asking for a mate, this idea is to also encourage others to mm. have deeper conversations. And obviously you said, which is awesome that you've got a support system. Mm. Um, but in because we unfortunately we're probably not going to find a cure in the next few years, and you said that Inga's situation might not get better, could mm. get worse. What is the best way for people to support you moving forward? Yeah, I think I think just a a recognition that our life is different, mm -hmm. that that um, and that if we're late to something or Inga can't come or we can't make it to something, there's there's usually a good reason reason for it, um, and. And I think our family and friends are, are really, really good about that and good about sort of like changing the location of something or, or, or making things easier for us. Like our, our group of friends have been amazing. They'll sort of make sure that they take a holiday together in the Blue Mountains so we can come and sort of drop in on them or something like that. Um, and I think people just feeling brave enough to like there's there's this terrible silence that come with people just feeling awkward and not knowing how mm. to respond, which yeah. is a totally natural re reaction. But as a result, people aren't very inquisitive about what, what could help. And, and when friends say, um, well, does this time work for you? Would it be easier for you if we, we came to you or something like that, just to sort of like an open inquisitiveness about not feeling like they're going to say the wrong thing just means uh, a, a huge amount. So, so yeah, yeah, that really helps. Yeah. I get, I guess you're, one point that we did talk about earlier is that, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about deeper things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess you kind of see sometimes probably the response of people that don't really know what to say. Or yeah. 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 I mean, there is a, there, there is a sort of a silent wall that you get to once you sort of start talking about chronic illness. A lot of people mm -hmm. just don't know. I think because a lot of people don't really understand what MECFS is. Yeah. They just don't know how to respond, which is totally natural. Um, and I, I suppose just not being fearful of asking those questions when okay. when, when when people suggest because, yeah. I mean, you you might say the wrong thing, but if you're coming at it with good intentions, people yeah. will correct you and and talk to you openly about it. So yeah. I think just I I would I would love to see over the years that just being a 
broader societal acceptance that some people's lives are different because of illnesses and just openly talking to them about what their lives are like um, just makes things easier for everyone. Yeah. Awesome. So if I understand correctly, coming with good intention and asking the question and starting a bit of a conversation around mm. the the illness and what's happening, what you're going through. Yeah. With you. Yeah. Cause I think so much of what we interpret is, I mean, there, there's certainly there are stigmas, but I think it's, it's also just an awkwardness around like if, if someone says to you at work that they're dealing with depression, just being open to that conversation and not sort of wanting to stand back and think like, Oh, they probably don't want me to talk about it. So I won't say anything kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's exactly what a lot of people think. Yeah. 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 And I think sort of just being, uh, I mean, people want the freedom to talk about these things openly. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say be more open to those conversations. Yeah. If you can think about a few years um, in the future, what mm. would you like to tell yourself? Probably go easier, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think I set probably a unrealistic standard sometimes uh, about sort of, being able to cover off a lot of things, probably just asking for more help as well. I'm not good at reaching out and asking for help with things. And people are, when I, when I have or have had to, people are much more open. So I think, I think I would tell myself to probably give myself more of a break and ask for help more. Yeah. It's a good question. I should take my own advice. We always should. Yeah. <laughs> and what would you like to say to Inga? I'd like to say to Inga. I mean, if you want to. Well, that's if a good question. You wanted um, to. Yeah, probably just, just thank you and yeah, thank you for her um, sort of strength in the face of what she's gone through. And um, it's if I was going through what she was going through. I can imagine the swing towards sort of a kind of cynicism or a bitterness about life would be very tempting. And Inga's um, been amazing in staying a sort of bright, lovely person in the face of what she's gone through. And she's incredibly kind to me. So thank you for being kind to me. I think that probably be the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Good question. I'm going to get hopefully some points for that. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get some good points for that. Thank you for staying until the end. If Bill's story has moved you and you would like to find out more about MECFS, I highly encourage you to watch the documentary that we talked about in the episode. It is called Unrest and it is available on Netflix. You can also find a lot more information about the disease on the website emerge.org.au. If you are keen to support research into developing a diagnosis for ME, the best way to help is to donate to the Open Medicine Foundation at Stanford University. Thank you so much again, Bill, for taking the time to record an episode with us. And thank you, Inga, for letting us share your story. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to more, we've got, I think, 14 episodes that you can binge on. But don't forget to leave us a review or share the podcast with your mates. Thank you so much for listening. And guys, please remember to always go beyond the small talk because it feels great to talk. (laughs) 